A couple of weeks ago, this, this word, I wanted to wrap up this, this series that I'd been teaching on. And um, as you know, we had a, um, uh, we really had a move of the Spirit here. And we had a number of the gifts flowing in, in the service and really didn't feel like it was the time to give and to complete this message. But it, it actually flows very well with what I've just said. Um, and, and then we've had Keith come last week, and, well, the last two weeks, and he teached on, taught, taught us on faith. And, and I love how practically Keith teaches on faith as an engineer because there is a mechanical part to faith and the mechanics of faith. So if you weren't here for the last two weeks, then I encourage you, go download on the podcast, the audio to your phone, or, or watch the videos online on YouTube or whatever, but watch the, because there is a practical, now there's a lot. Faith is a phenomenal topic. It is such an important topic for us to, 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 to lay a hold of, because the just shall live by faith. It is an essential tool of understanding how faith works, um, because we have been given, past tense, everything by grace, Right? Jesus earned everything by grace, but it is by faith that we lay hold of the promises. It is by faith, and only by faith. And it is through faith that we lay hold of the promises. So there's a mechanical part to understanding. Is mechanics the right thing to say, Keith? Would you say that? There's a mechanical part to understanding how to appropriate the grace of God. Now, this message that I want to speak about um, is, is, is about, uh, um, the title was, You Are Activated. And, and this, 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 so I, I wanted to sort of jump off straight from there um, and, and, and look at this piece over here. So I'm going to start with John chapter 20, verse 21. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. So, here we see Jesus was a sent one. He was sent, and he tells us, he says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And in John 17, verse 17 and 18, it says this, uh, Jesus said this to his apostles, to his disciples at least at the time, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. So, Understand this fundamental truth. As Jesus has been sent, we, in like manner, Jesus, as we just read here, has sent us into the world. In the same way that Jesus. So we'll, we'll, we'll break it down over here in a little bit. So um, here we see this in Ephesians chapter 1. We touched on this a couple of weeks ago. Um, and I'm going to read from... Uh, Verse 18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and according um, and, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe. Did you read did you hear that? What is the hope of his calling? What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? His calling, his inheritance, his power. Toward us who believe. You see, grace... Um, let me just lay this as a little bit of a foundation. Biblical words, it's important to understand that the definitions of words in your heart or the understanding of words that are in your heart when it comes to biblical definitions of words, there are, there, there are a number of words that we have grown up. Um, if I had to ask for a show of hands and I said, you know, how many of you were raised in some sort of a denomination or in a church world or had Christian parents? Likely in this part of the world, the majority of you would raise your hands, but probably a number of you would say, no, I never, I never grew up. But whatever your church experience would be, you've had a definition of words. So church words um, and churchianity words or whatever you want to call it, Christianese is another word we've used for them. There's words that, we, that we've used like for years, like, oh, um, you know, we, and, and we'll say like the typical one that we often use to hear is grace. 
um, oh, isn't she so gracious, or isn't it so graceful? Oh, she's just so full of grace, talking about a ballerina, or whatever the case is. Or, or God is, he's just so gracious. And, and so we, when we don't, when we, when we have a concept of the word grace, and then, and then if you've been in the Christian world for very long, you can hear this word, oh, well, grace, grace is, is uh, uh, what is the typical one that you've heard, is unmerited favor, or God's riches at Christ's expense. How many of you are those ones? And you know, you, so we, we get fixed in on a definition. Now, it's true. That is a piece of grace. There, grace has got elements of kindness and compassion and mercifulness, uh, mercy and so on. But grace is not exclusively unmerited favor. Because if we just spoke about grace as unmerited favor, it would, do, it would, do, it would take out the power of grace of what it is. Because when you study the word grace, and my, my, my intention today is not to go into it. We have unpacked grace, and we'll probably hit the topic again sometime. But grace has got to do with God's capacity, God's ability, God's um, power. Um, it, it working inside of us, working inside and through our hearts, enabling us to do what we cannot do in our ability. That is actually what the grace of God is. Grace is not God's power to overlook sin. Grace is God's, um, God's, grace is God's power within us to overcome sin. Now, some of you may have never heard that. But it is essentially important because truth, we can only find the grace of God operating in our lives when we have a clear understanding of truth. John 8. 31, 32, the truth of God will set us free, right? When you know the truth, truth will set you free. But let me ask you a question. If you've grown up with a wrong understanding of a, or a misinterpretation of, of, a, of a truth, do you think it will set you free? It's not a trick question. If you've grown up with a religious understanding of the word of words or an unbiblical understanding of the word grace or understand word truth or an understanding of the, the, the teaching of the Holy Spirit, if you've been raised with a misunderstanding of those words or what it means, it will not set you free. Now, you could read your Bible. You could read your Bible every day. But if you just held on to the belief if you held on tightly to the belief of, well, I heard the definition is X, Y, Z of this word, and you weren't open to understanding what the truth of God's word is, and you had studied that, and, you, and you, what, 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 whatever truth we're studying, if you weren't open to repent and change your mind and see it as, as God sees it, then, then you will not be set free. And let me tell you, right there, right there is why a lot of Christians cannot experience victory and liberty in certain areas of their life. Right there is where many of us get stuck and we can't break through in areas and we wonder why. Why isn't God healing me? Why do I have such an issue here? Why do I have such an issue there? If that is you, understand we all go through areas like this, but it's really, really simple. The truth is when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. It doesn't matter what promise that God has give us, given us. God, Psalm 103 says we don't forget His promises. He forgives all our sin and heals all our diseases. All our sin, all our diseases, right? So all of these things, if we are not experiencing a truth in our life, please, oh please, don't sit back, as I've said so many times before, and blame God. Please, oh please, don't sit back and point your finger at God and say, well, I guess God just doesn't want to do it for me because I believe that. No, 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 no. It is up to us to lay hold of the truth and to take it unto ourselves and to allow our minds to be renewed. We are how transformed by the renewing of our minds. And as we've, we speak about this topic a lot because this is where the tacky hits the tar, as we say in South Africa, or the rubber tackies, by the way, are running shoes, you know. I don't have running shoes on. I don't know why I lifted my leg. <laughs> but, but, but honestly, this is, this is where it experience. We have to, if things aren't working for you, 
If things, if you are feeling fearful, if you are feeling hopeless, if you are experiencing depression, if you are being, these are not God's will for you. If you are feeling poverty or you experiencing poverty, if you not experience, if you if you are not there, there is every promise is yours in Christ. It's been given graciously to us. It is there for the taking. If it's not working for you, guess what? Their issue is with me and you. The issue is for us to go to Jesus and say, okay, Jesus, with the help of the Holy Spirit, thank God he's the teacher. He is the teacher. And that's why, the, that's why a close relationship with the Holy Spirit is so essential for us to take a truth and, and to learn a truth. Because I'm telling you, God will lead you by his Holy Spirit. That is what his job is. The Holy Spirit's job is to lead you into all truth. That's his job. But you know that I can walk around this town and I can even, you can pick out a handful of churches that even acknowledge the presence of the Holy Spirit or what his job is. Their religion will explain why his job was done and la, 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 and he becomes a doxology. That's it. May the love of God and the peace of the love of the result and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Sorry, I'm not trying to sound mocking, but I'm just saying if that's where it stops, if that's what it is, that you think that I'm going to cast some magical blessing out to you, there's no magic. You believe the truth in your heart, and then it works. When you accept the truth in your heart, it sets you free. If you are not being set free, it's because you do not believe the truth in your heart. It's as simple as that. And I'm sorry, there's nobody else to blame. But this is the power. You have the power over your own belief system. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with the power? Because, listen, you can be offended at me, and I, I really hope you're not. I don't want to offend you. But if you get offended, you can go to another church that's going to teach you something else. But it's still not going to work for you. Only the truth of God will set you free. Only his truth will set you free. free. Not for any fee. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> for, not for any fee. <laughs> there is a freedom. There is a free part of grace because grace is freely given to us. Grace is to be experienced by us. But, but you know that he is called Jesus, by the way. Do you know that in Hebrews chapter 10, it calls him the spirit of grace. Man, I like that one. He's got many titles, but I like that one. The spirit of grace. The spirit of grace. Anyhow, let me jump into you. So here I started off with Ephesians where it says that there is power because Jesus has his calling, his inheritance, and his power towards us who believe. That is not your calling, your inheritance, and your power. Now we've spoken about inheritance a lot because it's powerful to, it's a liberating to, to find out. I just, I don't deserve an inheritance. I step in Christ and I get his inheritance which means I never can fail of it because it was Jesus who earned it for us. It was Jesus' inheritance. I step into it. Do, is there a separate calling to Jesus as one? Nope. There is not. That does not mean, and, and we'll touch on it later, if I can rush through. <laughs> there, there, there does not mean that there are different giftings, but there is only one calling. I get frustrated with this. Well, God, it sounds very religious. What is your calling? What is your calling? Listen, people, there's, relax. There's only one calling. The world. Let's reach the world with Jesus' love. Let's preach the gospel. How did, Je how did Jesus say it in the, in, the, in the Great Commission in Matthew 28 and in Mark 16? Go into all the world, preach the gospel. Make disciples of all men, Right? baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So there is only one. We've got to reach the world. We know it, it may not happen in, my, in your and my lifetime, and we've got, we each have a role to play in that place. But you don't have to say, well, well you know, I have this, I have this, ridic I have this, this specific 
calling. No, 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 no. There is not one calling. And now, so I'm going to pull this up. In, in Luke chapter 4, do you know that um, um, in, in 1 John chapter 4, it says that, that the spirit of the Antichrist is that spirit that says, does not acknowledge that Jesus came in the flesh. Now, I don't want it for, for those of you who don't study the Bible in depth and, and so on, but, it, but it, it denies the humanity of Jesus, of Jesus of Nazareth, of Jesus the Son of Man, of Jesus the one who emptied of his divinity, it says in Philippians 2, and took on the very nature of a man, becoming like a servant and obedient even unto death, even death on the cross. That's the Jesus. When we acknowledge that Jesus, the Son of Man, that he was anointed by the Holy Spirit. Do you know that? That when Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit actually came onto him and anointed him with power, just like you and I. Do you know that Jesus of Nazareth, if, you see, we, we absolve ourselves from the power and the responsibility of a calling because we say, oh, but you see, that was Jesus. Jesus could do that stuff. Do you know? As he is in the world, as he is, so are we in this world. That is the hardest, one of the hardest things that I don't think we believe. We say, it's, you, so, you see, because we absolve ourselves of this responsibility because we say, well, it was Jesus. He, he could do all these things. He was a man. He emptied himself. He was as powerless as you and I. Now, I know that's going to be a hard pill for you to swallow, some of you. But listen to how that makes more sense when you read now, when you read Acts 10, 38, which we so quickly, which we quickly flash by. And it says how God, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. How God anointed Jesus. That's powerful. God anointed Jesus. You know the scripture in Luke 4. He goes to Nazareth. And in verse 17 of Luke 4, it says, And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll, found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, that's actually... A combination of scriptures in, in places, but in, in, in the King James Version or in Isaiah 61, who he's quoting, very similar, um, almost identical passage. To, so I'm not going to read it again, but Isaiah 61, verse 1 and 2. Um, understand what the anointing, if you want to call it that, the anointing is not just a sort of, I don't know. I don't even know the way to, the religious way I was raised at least, or was, as I was exposed, was there's this, this little jar of anointing. Here's the Holy Spirit, here's God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but here's this jar of anointing, and we've so, somehow created this mystical jar of magical oil, and we call it anointing. And it comes and goes, and it gets bigger or smaller because they have a greater anointing, or they have a less anointing. Now, I know I'm stepping on some toes. Okay, I hope you worked your, but it's like, listen, that's not, you can't find that. You can't find that in the New Testament. The anointed one. Do you know that the word Christ means the anointed one? Christ is not his second or last name. Jesus, the Christ. He was the anointed one. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. And what was the anointing for? Well, I can read it out of Isaiah 61 this time. Anointed me, one, to bring good news to the poor. Now listen, that's not just poor. That's not, that's not talking about materially poor. It's talking to people who are open. They're deficient in themselves. They acknowledge their need for somebody else. Because guess what? Nobody else... The rich don't listen to anybody because they're self-sufficient. And I'm talking not financially rich. I'm talking about people who think they've got it all. Prideful. There's a, there, there, is a, there is a humility that, it's, that, that I believe this, this particular word poor is talking about. So he's come to preach the gospel to the poor. One, then he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. 
Man, brokenhearted can cover so many areas, right? Brokenhearted people, brokenhearted and disappointed, brokenhearted because they've lost hope, brokenhearted because their heart has been corrupted and hardened over time, and that they just can't hear God anymore, right? He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty for the captives, for those that have been kept in dungeons and have been trapped in, in ideas and belief systems that have kept them bound and in places where they believe that they should be poor and they should be sick and they should be depressed unless they buy the magic pill from which channel is it? Um, I'm sure there's that pill. I don't know. There's a new one every week. So whatever magic pill that, that somebody's going to try and sell you, right? No. No. No, 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 no. So, so his anointing is, this anointing on him brings liberty to the captives, the open of prisoners to those who are bound, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You see, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's what happens when we acknowledge and bring and allow the Holy Spirit into our lives. That anointing of his calling in our life activates us to do the work of the ministry. You do realize that every one of you sitting here, and me included, every one of us are supposed to do the work of the ministry. The fivefold ministry, according to Ephesians chapter 4, is to prepare us to do the work of the ministry. I also have a fivefold ministry. So just because I stand in the seat of, or the, the role, or I play the role of pastor at Lake Haven Church, doesn't mean that I don't have a pastor. I have people that I submit to and listen to. So, but understand that that pastors and, and teachers and evangelists and apostles and prophets, they are to raise us to do the work of the ministry. You can't all sit there and say, Shannon, you should do the work of the ministry. You are the ones that do the work of the ministry. You are the ones that take the anointing into the marketplace. You are the ones that are sent to call and to all these things that I've just read in Isaiah chapter 61. Guess what calling it is? His calling, His inheritance, His power for you. And me. Do you dare believe that? Or do you have to listen to this a hundred and so times? But I mean, seriously, sometimes we have to, I know some of these concepts, are like, what, what are you talking about, Shannon? You're saying a bunch of things that I'm not sure I've heard before. If that's your case, I, I challenge you. Go ahead, study it out. Listen to, download this MP3. Listen to it a number of times. But there is only one anointing. There is only one. There is only one anointing. Man, I, 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 want to, um, I want to go to John 17. John 17, I'm going to read. Um, where should I start over here? Uh, let me start at verse 20. I do not ask for these only, but for those who will believe in me through their words. Okay, so Jesus speaking, praying here. In Jesus' prayer, thank God, he prays. And, he, and he's praying for us, those who will believe in the apostles, in the disciples' words. So he's pray, he prays for the apostles and disciples, and then he prays for us. He says, I do not ask for these, but for also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory, verse 22, the glory that you have given me, I have given them. This is, there is so much in here. We could spend weeks. The glory that they, that you have given me, I have given them. Do we dare, just hold on a second. I can't stop myself. According to Jesus' prayer, the glory that he has, he has given to us. The glory that you have given me, I've given to them. No, but let's not believe that. Let's just, let's just hear about money and how I can just buy myself a, I don't know, a vacation home and retire. That's what I want to hear. Tell me how I can get a Rolex and a jet. People, if we get consumed with the fear of God, if we get consumed with the passion that God has, we understand that we're called into one calling, His. His calling is for us to be part of, good, of reaching the world. That's it. Okay, let me carry on here. Verse 22. The glory that you have given me, I've given them, that they may be one even as we are one. Wow. 
I in them and you in me, that they may be perfectly one, so that the world, why? So that the world may know that you sent me and have loved them even as you loved me. Man, Kempan on this for Jesus is saying, guys, don't you understand? God, I, it's, he's praying to the Father and he says, you and me, just as the part of the Trinity is one, guess what? We're one with him. Now, that sounds like heresy. Well, I didn't write this. But it is true. God has, we have been brought into this absolute unity with God, this oneness with God. And, this, and, 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 and I love the word one because it can mean so many things. But it's, it's, it's about, I see oneness as aligning ourselves with God. You see, we come from all this crappy background, messed up nests of belief systems, however they've been created because of dysfunctional families or teachers that told you never amount to any, anything or parents that said you're just a waste of, of air or, or whatever. You come from churches that, that, that have, have lied to you, not intentionally maybe, and some of them maybe intentionally. I don't know. I don't test them out. But we've come from this mess of stuff. And so, so these things sound all new to us, but they've been standing in Scripture all along. Jesus' prayer is that he says, I'm going to read verse 23 again. I in them, you in me, that they may become perfectly or completely one. So that the world may know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. People, when we are one with God, when we are one with each other, because if you read the context of oneness, and we see it, the whole book of First John speaks about the oneness, that when we are one with God, that the world may know that you, that you have loved me and that we have loved them. Who's got the them? It's the world. There's that love thing again. You can't escape. You can't escape. Listen, if you try to do Christianity outside love and outside relationship, it ain't going to work. Because God is love. And I'm talking agape love. I'm not talking about eros love. I'm not talking about phileo love. I'm not talking about any of the other kinds of love. And there's a number of them. The God kind of love. That's why, this, the, that's why the gifts don't even work without love. First Corinthians said, you can do this and you can prophesy. And, and guess what? You can even give all your money away and to all the poorer people. And guess what? If you have love, no, nothing. It's love. You can't do this Outside of, outside of his love, so that the world may know you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Dare we believe, dare we believe that we are as loved as Jesus is loved by the Father and that our mission in life, our mission in life is to let the world know the same, that they are as loved as Jesus is loved. Or dare we step back and say, well, listen, when you get that uh, LGBTQ thing sorted out, then I'll love you. Or when you do this right, I will love you. Or when you get all your ducks in a row, I will love you. How many of us ever reach that goal? Anybody here? Was it just me? None of us make that. None of us make that. If you think you make it because you're comparing yourself to the person next to you or to the other side of the aisle or whatever, it's like, guys, we've never deserved God's love. Amen? Anyhow, this, this unity of, of love, and, and for the sake of time, I, I, I can't unpack it, but <laughs> uh, there's, so, there's so many directions I want to go here. I... I'm just going to jump. I'm going to jump to Romans chapter eight um, because I just want to. I think it's better that I finish here. We'll go coming close to landing. Romans chapter eight, twenty-six and twenty-seven. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray as we ought. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts <clears throat> knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We, li we really could spend a lot of time on these two verses, but, but what I want you to see here, um, that, that I want you to feel here, is that, is that you and I 
when we let the Spirit of God into our life, when you were born again, when you received Jesus, you are baptized into Christ. Now, I'm not specifically going to talk about the, the infilling of the Holy Spirit or, 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 or overflowing with the Holy Spirit because we can, we can, we can play with definitions there. But, but very simply put, I believe being filled with anything in the Scripture, if we've studied out, it's to be under the influence of. Be not drunk with, on wine, as you, you know, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So what is the comparison there? It's, to, it's, it's like either you're under the influence of alcohol or you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Similarly, you can be under the influence of the Holy Spirit, right? Or they, it, there's a number of scriptures that talk about, and they were filled with fear. Now, that doesn't mean there was liquid fear that was, you know, up to their eyeballs. They weren't. It was that they were under the influence of fear. Fear is a terrible master. When you submit to fear, now God's not given us a spirit of fear. We can live in victory over fear. There are simple solutions to living outside of fear. But when you are living in fear, you are not going to make a good decision. I'm gonna just going to give you that little. If you are making any decisions based from fear, stop it. Get out of fear because no matter what decision you're going to make, you're going to play into the hands of the enemy. When you are making decisions out of a heart of fear, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. And there's a lot that we can say. But, I mean, perfect love casts out fear in a nutshell. So there you go again. Just get soaked in the love of God. Become persuaded on the love of God because then there's no room for fear. Okay? So, but, but here we, we, we've, if we understand, if we take on this, this responsibility, we've been baptized into Christ, that the Holy Spirit has indwelt us and has come inside of us. And, that, and we said that, you know, right in the very the scripture, I'm going to, um, I don't know if I should appear, that scripture that I read to you, that he shall be, uh, which, um, oh, here I go. In John 14, verse 16, and I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. You know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. I'm going to say that again, John 14, verse 16. I will ask the Father, He will give you another helper. That word another, we've studied it before, another of the same kind. You get two Greek words for another. One of a different kind, another one of the same kind, alos and heteros. This is, I'm going to send you another helper. They, they were worried that Jesus is leaving town. What are they going to do? And Jesus says, hey, chillax, bro. Just chill. I am going to send you another helper just like me. That's what he was saying, just like me. And he's going to be with you forever. It does not say, and he will be with you when you sing the song 15 times. Or when you get your life in order. Or when you don't miss it. Or when you drive past the speed limit, he jumps out the car. Thank God for that one. But it says there that he dwells, he will be with us for you, be with us forever, and he will dwell, he, and he will be in us, right? So that's, that's this, this huge part of what we're saying over here. So back to Romans 8. I want to try and finish here. Okay, so likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Oh, man, English can be so limited when you start learning some of these words. Because the word help doesn't do the Greek word any justice at all. It is this beautiful word, and it's called, I'm going to try and get it right, sun anti lambano. Now, lambano, the last part we've touched, we've touched on before, and that is an active, there's a couple of Greek words for receiving something. But to lambano something is to be actively involved in going and taking it unto yourself, of holding on to it. If you're going to lambano anything, you're going to actively be involved on laying hold of something and bringing it to yourself. That's to lambano it. It's not to, oh, somebody dropped a brick on your head. Oh, I received a brick on my head. No. That's not receiving a brick on your head. That that's happens in Laurel and Hardy's and the Three Stooges kind of thing, right? So, no, and it's, to, it's to actively receive something to yourself. But here comes these other words. Sun, okay, which means to, um, which, which it, it means to do something in conjunction with somebody else, together. Sun, 
anti means against and lambano. So we see this, lambano is this actively received. So it means to be actively, to, to be together against something. What? It talks about participation. I love this word. It's a, it's a participation together. It's a, a partnership and a cooperation. That's the, that's the word I was looking for. Cooperation. So listen carefully. The Spirit helps us. Get this. There is a cooperation and a partnership that the Holy Spirit will help us through. It doesn't say, and the Spirit will go and do what you're supposed to do. No, but He's there to help us. He is there. And of course, that's one of His names, the helper, the one who comes alongside, the parakletos. It doesn't say the one who does all the work while I just sit on the couch and watch whatever show. <laughs> right? But to take hold of, to lay hold of, together with, against something. In other words, um, Rick Renner put that word together, and he says it's like if you woke up in the morning and your driveway was blocked with this massive big boulder, there is no ways that you can move that boulder on your own. But if you had the Holy Spirit inside you, you would be, he would partner with you to enable you to do what you cannot do. He was the one. So you could press with all your might. You couldn't get the boulder out the way. But with you soon anti Lambano with the Holy Spirit, to, we can get together with the Holy Spirit and get the boulder out of the way. We can cooperate with the Holy Spirit. We should. So, so back to that verse. The, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. People, we are weak. In our flesh, we are weak. And, and that same word as thenia is or sometimes is actually translated uh, feebleness. Sometimes it's translated sickness. But, but, but in our weaknesses, in our infirmities, He is there to help us. With our spiritual infirmities, here, here's the powerful thing. No matter where you are, you don't have to be, you know, some sort of mighty, strong Christian. No, you have the Holy Spirit. No matter how old or young you are in the Lord, the Holy Spirit is there for you to work with you, to help you in your infirmities, in your weaknesses, to help you to get the job done. And as I said, there is so much in there because we can unpack it. And I don't want to, 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 to pull that out because I, I know I've, I've given a, a bunch of chunky things to, for you to ponder on. But I want you to hear this piece you have an anointing, and your anointing is His anointing. The Spirit that was in Jesus Christ, He has given to us to be with us. He is the same helper. He is the helper of the same kind. He's going to be with us and dwell in us, and He is going to be with us forever. Now, that isn't just to come and make you feel good. Aww. And thank God He is. When we need comfort, I often need comfort. Often I need, that's great. He is there to comfort you. He is there to speak truth to you. He is there. He is constantly going to be leading you. How does he help you? He, you aren't going to get out into your proverbial driveway and say, oh, Holy Spirit, well, I can't do it, so I'm just going to go to bed until you move the rock out the way. Do you understand? I have to be the one that says, I will lay hold of these truths. I will receive, I will actively receive, remember Lambano, I will actively receive your help to get, to get this out the way. And, and, and as he is the one that leads us into all truth, he is the one that, that will show us the way. I know that Norman and, and T and I was talking before the service. It, it, is, it is such a, it, it is there. The wisdom, and he's also called the spirit of wisdom. We are so stuck in a religious mindset. It's no wonder Jesus said that, that your traditions have made the word of God to have no power. You know, you, know, you know another way that religion kills us? Religion kills us because it says things like, you know what, it worked this way. If you just say these words 
and or we do it this this way. This is the way I got healed back in 19, whatever, some of you not saying, or 2003. Let me just bring it into this millennium, you know. Um, you know, so if I got if I got healed in 2003 this way, that's how I'm going to do it. How many times does religion want to give you formulas? And in fact, we are so addicted to formulas that if we do not get a formula in a message, we think, well, I didn't get a formula. I didn't get my three-step formula. Number one, two, and three. I need my formula. Mm, sounds like a baby. <laughs> Different kind of formula. But, but we have... It, it, you... You are growing in God. You and I are not in the same, we do not have the same background. We do not have the same traditions. We do not have the same history. And even if you compared you, you facing a similar circumstances all from different parts of your life will come to find that the spirit of wisdom will lead you a different way each time. Because, why, Shannon? Why would he do that? Because maybe you can't do it this way right now. Maybe you don't know this right now. Maybe you've got a, you can't, but, but we try and make a one-size-fits-all formula, and it just doesn't work. That's how religion deceives you. Because it comes up, I've got my book, How to Get This in Five Easy Steps. And you make lots of money with books like that. Because how many of them do you own? <laughs> how many of those books do you own? How's it working for you, as Dr. Phil says? You see, truth doesn't change. Truth is immortal. It's changing. It's forever. It's never-ending. Truth doesn't change, but the way we apply truth changes. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit. The way you apply truth changes. That's why you need to soon anti lambano with the Holy Spirit. You, that's why this whole passage in Romans 8, 26 and 27 is talking about praying in the Spirit. And praying because God, He, he can give you wisdom. He can help you. He can show you. Is He going to do the job? No. Is He going to show you what to do? Yes. Is He going to work with you? Yes. Is he going to bring the favor of God into the situation? Yes. Is it going to be by your might and strength and ability? No. It's going to be him. It's going to be his ability, but he is going to give you the path. He is going to shepherd you through the story. He's going to be with you when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He's going to lead you to beside the green pastures, or, and he's going to take you to besides the water. He's going to give you a table in your enemy. But guess what? Only in relationship. Not in formula. You need the Holy Spirit. You need Him to be. You need, and listen, we have the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying He jumps out the window. You have got, that's why we have to walk this out with a relationship with God. You cannot, you see, this is why religion doesn't like this. Because you can't do this without a Holy Spirit relationship. Just give me the, just give me the three steps and let me go home and do whatever I want. If that's what you want, it's just not going to work. And, and, and I'm I, 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 sorry I can't give that to you, but I can give you truth. And I can pray, when you know truth, truth will set you free. When you lay hold of grace, when you understand the grace of God, grace, as I said in the beginning, grace is not just unmerited favor. Grace is, comes by unmerited favor, but it's God's ability working, the spirit of grace working inside of me, enabling me to do what I cannot do in my own strength and ability. Isn't that good? You do not have to be strong enough. You aren't strong enough. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Zechariah. By the spirit of God. You see, we don't have a choice if we want to live this life. I, so many people have said it before. It sounds cliche, but the Christian world, the Christian life is not difficult. It's impossible. When you understand that the Christian life is impossible, if you're trying to pull yourself up from your bootstraps and trying to do it in your ability, you are going to go through trouble because you cannot do it in your own strength. 
I know I've said it a few different ways. So I'm just going to pray and ask God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that we can just open our hearts to you, to surrender to your ability. I want to say, listen to this carefully. When you surrender to his ability and understand this message, I know you will have to listen to a few times. But laying hold of these truths in your heart will activate the Spirit of God inside of you to change your world. You are activated. You have been given every promise. Every promise is yours. So let me ask you a couple questions. One, are you willing to be teachable? Not to Shannon, but to him. Isaiah said, the willing and obedient will eat the good of the land. The willing and obedient. Which means, if you're teachable, you adopt humility. A humble person is always willing to repent. That doesn't mean try and stop sinning in your own strength. No, that means simply this. Will you change what you believe? Will you line up your belief? Will you align your beliefs with his beliefs? Will you choose to become one with him? You see, you can't hold on to your own beliefs, your own views, and be in alignment with God. He loves you. He will never stop loving you. He will never stop loving you. But you have to be prepared to abandon beliefs that you held closely onto when the Lord says to you, let this go and take on this view. Take on this view. Take on my glory, my view, my opinion of reality. That's your choice. Say, Lord, I am willing. I I choose to have a humble heart. I choose to be teachable. It starts right there. No, no, always, just like T said, the Lord always speaks with a voice of love. Always, always, always. Even when He is bringing discipline to our lives, He always brings it with love. And He never hurts or destroys or breaks bones. He always brings love. But all you have to do is be willing to change, to repent and change the way you believe for truth to start affecting your life. That's it, right there. Know that you are loved. Be willing to embark on a journey of repentance, a a lifestyle of changing what you believe. You are loved. The Holy Spirit is right there. If you've been born again, let me reassure you, the Holy Spirit is in you. You were baptized into Christ. He is not far from you, will never leave you or forsake you. But will you yield to the influence? Will you surrender? Will you allow yourself to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Because He will dispel fear. All you need to do is say, Holy Spirit, I, I, I yield to your influence. Mean it from your heart, though. It's not a magic prayer. I want what you have for my life. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for working in my life. Thank you for working in our lives. Now, I want you, the last step I want you to do is this. What is the rock in your driveway? What is the boulder that looks immovable to you? I want you to imagine you stepping out of your home, that massive boulder, almost feeling like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And then you remember those words. Your name. The Holy Spirit says, but I'm here. 
I'm going to soon Auntie Lambano with you. We'll take care of this together. We will be in partnership. We will cooperate. And this will move. No matter what it is, that boulder will become small by comparison. And see yourself looking at that boulder, pointing your finger at it, naming that boulder, whatever it is, if it's a disease, if it's an emotional thing, if it's depression, if it's a stomachache or it's cancer, doesn't matter. You just point to that boulder and say, boulder in the name of Jesus, I tell you to move. And if you remember the words of Jesus, it doesn't have to be a boulder, it can be a whole mountain. And it will go and throw itself in the sea. Because you're working with the Holy Spirit. See it leaving. Holy Spirit, thank you for freedom. Thank you for setting us free. Thank you for opening our eyes. Lord, I thank you that eyes that have been blind have been opened and are opening. Thank you that you're opening prison doors, that you're binding up broken hearts. Thank you for your work, Holy Spirit, in our lives. Thank you, Lord, that you have brought that year of your favor, that time, that time of your favor that's going to exist. That time of grace, we experience and lay hold of that. We receive that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And if you do not know Jesus, if you do not know Jesus and you're watching this by TV or you're here, you just, you just right now, just, just cry to the Lord with all your heart. And just say, Jesus, save me. Because that's a cry of your heart. The Word of God says that He will save those who call on His name. That's as simple as it is. That is, that is as simple as it is. And if you've made that decision, I ask you to come and speak to one of our prayer ministers up front when we dismiss the service. And um, if you're online, you can text the, that word or just text the word prayer to our 352-441-3016 number. And we'd be happy to have a prayer minister connect with you. If you need any prayer for anything, if you want to be, if you want to experience the, the rivers of living water, you want to experience that Holy Spirit experience that you've never known, please come and speak to one of our prayer ministers. Amen. We've got a book for, for you as well that can help you in this way. Amen and amen.